Hey everyone, welcome to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and social commentary from an Asian American perspective. I'm your host Marvin Yoi. Joining me as always is my co-host Christine Minji Chang. What up? And joining us this week for episode 52 Woo! of the Collabcast. We need a balloons. Is a good friend Shamira. <laughs> It's a, lot of, man. it's a lot of episodes. Yeah, it is. We need like party popper sounds. You could you could have had a deck of cards by now. We could have. If you had house. one card per no. show. Yeah. <laughs> Shamir is... Lack of foresight there. It is a, <laughs> Sorry, it's a house of cards. Shamir is the uh, lead curator and director of Tuesday Night Cafe, part of Tuesday Night Project, and also one of our good friends and past... You've been on the show twice now, right? Or three times? Twice. Twice. Twice, yeah. 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 This may yeah. run long. Do I have a do I have a record? Am I the most You might be. Collo- I think you are. I think, I think you, you are. and Jenny are tied. Ho ho. Yeah. ho, ho, ho. Watch out, Jenny Yang. She's gonna she's gonna beat my record like real quick though, I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, fifty two episodes. We've been doing this for after this episode will be one whole G D year, man. <laughs> It's a lot. That was unnecessary. Yeah. It's a lot. Every week for the last year, we've been recording this thing. I should have had the app sound ready. The air horn? Yeah. It's all right. Sorry, guys. I had to. It's a freaking year. We started one year ago this week. That's crazy. One year ago next week. Okay. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. End of January. Dang. Yeah. How, how does it feel? It's amazing. I feel like we've been doing this for a long time. It's honestly a really good feeling to have like, one full year every freaking week out of the country, different time zones, like sickness. You know, there was a lot. I was sick 15 times last year. That means, like, yeah, we're in the streets. You're getting sick right now. Like, no, it's not. I'm not. See, we're, we're having our vitamins and we're filling up. So we're no not going to gonna... see what you do. That. I know. It doesn't matter. They, they can feel the vibe. I'm gesturing. <laughs> there, there are vitamins and there is Panda Express. There is on the table. Yes. Yeah. Well, last time Sean was on, it was just the two of us oh, yeah. alone in his parents' place. Oh, yes. Yeah. I miss. That was quite a romantic evening, Marvin. It was. I remember well, listening and being very, we like, very... third wheel as a <laughs> So are you are you all gonna celebrate the one year with like a special like Panda Express, especially like worst whole episode? Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that's toll? A, that's a tour, toll. a tour, Korea, doll. Speaking of doll or doll or whatever, I can't, I don't speak Korean. Yes, you can. Um, you guys were just at Sundance, and we'll talk to, about this a little bit more uh, later on in the episode. <laughs> um, but did you guys get to see Andrew's film? I got to see Andrew's Sean film. Sean did. Because uh-huh. Sean was on top of things. Because I was on top of things. I was not. Minji was not. Oh, what happened? I'll, I'll share later. It was, uh, it was upsetting. But I will. I'm, I'm planning to make the LA premiere like ultra epic in light of the fact that I missed the Sundance premiere. Yeah, the Sundance premiere was actually like really sold out. Like it was really? very sold out. Yeah. Like the wait list line was ridiculous. Very long. And like everyone I talked to. Like I was kind of they were like, oh, what movies you're seeing? And I was like, oh, I'm seeing Spawn Night. And everyone, the reaction was, oh, you have a ticket. <laughs> like, uh, you lucky bastard. Yeah. So it it was very sold out. It was awesome. Andrew yeah. Nice. Congrats to. We'll talk more. Yeah. yeah. Congrats to Andrew for uh, his success. Hopefully, um, when do we find out about awards? Like this week, right? I believe so. I don't really know how that works. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is of, done on the 31st. I'm just waiting so, yeah. for like. I'm just keeping track of his Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, what I'm doing. Yeah. 
Does, has Andrew been tweeting tweeting more? He's been tweeting more. Nice. I yelled at him to tweet more, and he's finally been responding to people. <laughs> That's now, good. Yelling really works. Good. Yeah, yelling does work. Well, we'll <laughs> talk more about your guys' Sundance uh, Salt Lake City adventure later on the episode. Um, but really quickly, I want to catch up with Sean real quick because since the last time he's been, he was on our podcast. He apparently started his own podcast. Yeah, with a bunch of our friends. So what happened was? <laughs> what happened was? What first happened of all. Was, so um, stealing our flavor, stealing our so, style. No, we've inspired further creativity. This is awesome. So basically, yeah, I was listening to Collabcast and I was just like, you know, I should make my own podcast and then just went off and no, uh what so um Richie Tractivist. Tractivist is his last name. Although you might also be tied with Richie too for Collabcast. Richie's come on a bit oh, three times I want to say. Well Richie. Or maybe twice. <laughs> <laughs> watch your back richie yeah well now you guys are sharing a show <laughs> so basically richie tractivist richie la- first name richie last name tractivist um oh, mr tractivist i know him mr. Him, tractivist. him and i like we like i i had all of these asian american artist mp3s on my hard drive that have been on my hard drive since i was in high school and so they're all pretty rare actually like mm-hmm. they're they're like off they're like the the demo version from the band before the band became the band now. Like who? Example. Like I have a uh, Magnetic North track. Oh, nice. Before they had to is, change their uh, their hook. Well, no. Well, I have that, but and I have the the original version before they even had to, like I oh. there there's three versions. So, but I have um this track called We Will Not Be Moved. Oh, that's a great song. And so yeah. the MP3 is titled like All all for one or something like that. I'm sorry, Derek. And, <laughs> I'm sorry, Derek. I'm getting that wrong. And then uh, it says like featuring featuring Teresa Vu, mm-hmm. who later was just part of Magnetic North. Um, and so I have stuff like that. And so I, I was basically always been afraid that my computer is going to die and that's all just going to disappear and there's going to be absolutely no way for me it's to fight it. Thought. So the way that I've been kind of negotiating that is like with people who I know will really appreciate and who I trust, I'll like just send them the file so that mm-hmm. I know that they have it. So Richie was one of those people. So I was sending him a few things. And then Dan Matthews, sorry, Dan, a.k.a. Dan. 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 Um, Dan uh, got word of that and he... Um, uh, hit me up and was like, hey, he actually started his email chain and was like, hey, like, I'd want in. <laughs> uh-huh. And then we we ended up meeting at, for dinner at the Parks Finest. So it was like me, Richie, Dan, Trisha, um, who is who is part of the Tractivist group, and then Mesmi, who is a musician. Oh, Mesmi's yeah, lovely. Really lovely voice. And then the five of us were talking. We're like, we, we sort of went through all these iterations. We're like, well, how can we share this music but then also make it public in a way that won't like totally distribute music like illegally and like undercut (laughs) artists you know Mm -hmm. so we were we sort of came to like yeah we should make a podcast because we all have a lot of experience with podcasts which is untrue (laughs) because the truth is like richie's run has his own podcast but and then like trisha's like listen to podcasts and, like, I've been on, like, a podcast or two, and Dan's, like, probably been on a podcast or something like that. But, like, we really haven't. We don't know how to run them. So we did our first episode, like, two weeks ago. We're doing, we're recording the next one next week. And it's called the um, Untitled Asian American Music Podcast. Very nice. We're I not like sure it. if we're going to pick a new name or not. So you I s- kind of like it. <laughs> Very whimsical. 
says yeah. a lot about my friends who are running it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're working out a lot of kinks. Like it's where there's like five of us when there really should only be like two of us. <laughs> um, so like one point of feedback was like, I can't tell who's talking at any given time. And that's very fair. So um, we're, uh, we're going to figure all that out by the next episode. Um, well, doesn't everyone just nice. has to introduce themselves before they say anything? Yeah. Minji, so like, um, yeah. <laughs> Sean. So what is it? Um, so yeah, so you can find us on uh, SoundCloud and yeah. then search Untitled Asian American Music. I think that's how it works. I don't really... Sounds good. I mean, you should probably you, search yourself. <laughs> yeah, I should probably figure that yeah, out. Yeah, I gave you guys. Um, I'm halfway through your first episode. I've been listening it in my car, and it's uh, it's it's fun. Well, I think because I know that, all of you guys, you guys got characters. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of cool. Like it's like we're hanging out. Yeah, and I, I think <laughs> it's it's more like how do we make it accessible to people who don't know who we are? Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. like for me, I'm like, oh ha ha ha, I like was in the room, but for like other people. <laughs> Who are like? Who is this Sean guy? And then why? It's, then why is he talking about? But that's what makes you so wonderful. Listen to you. You're like, who is this Sean guy? I mean, to be perfectly fair, like, you're doing a great job as host, though. Like you, you know, I, I, I can I can feel you. We know this. We know wrangling this. cats. I can feel you <laughs> wrangling. I'm just like because I do listen. I, I, I'm listening to everyone else kind of talking over each other yeah, or yeah. like jumping in. I can and I can feel you like. All right, guys, back on track. <laughs> Sean, Sean's the host. He knows this. See, this is what comes. This is why, like, our our, our skill sets from live event production, they're, managing teams, etc. Um, very translatable. Very skills. translatable. I had to do that at work once. I was at VidCon working in an event, like guys, <laughs> and I was like one of the ones organizing the event. And then we needed an MC, and so I ended up like introducing Lindsay Sterling in front of a room of. Nice. Anyway, damn. Yeah. Zion. No big, no big. MBD, whatever. Hashtag. Yeah, no. Just, just my homie yeah. Lindsey. You know, we, we type. Best friends. What's up, Linz? <laughs> anyway, how you living? Yeah. Anyways, humble brag. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Congratulations on the new podcast. I'm always excited for just to have more people do this because I feel like the more stuff we get out there, the more we kind of lift everyone up. It's kind of like you know community stuff, right? Like totally. The more everyone's together, the more everyone. I'm doing the yeah. Will Ferrell, I don't know what to do with my hands <laughs> motion, but I mean to say it's uplifting. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it really then opens us up to do a lot more collaboration horizontally, I think. Yeah. We're doing yeah. similar things or a lot more plug and play. So. I'm learning, I'm seeing, like, this is what I've said about Marvin, too, because we've both, you know, cared a lot about the Asian American experience and have had that at the forefront of our minds for a, a long time. Mm-hmm. But that is experienced so, so differently. Like, yeah. his consumption of music and pop culture is so so different than mine where we and like in my mind i thought it was kind of like it's a much smaller yeah. experience that was like shared amongst but it's these not but it's so not it's not i continuously learn it's not i'm continuously learning yes so everyone should check that out and um, i know we probably should have saved the plug till the end but i just really wanted to talk to him about no, his it's new all podcast good. thank you but starting off the show every week we always um have a roundtable segment where our guests and our hosts bring a topic on their minds um, on pop culture or social commentary um, that's happening in the world. So, uh, Sean, what's on your mind as our guest? Ooh, so, what's going on? Um, what is going on? So there, it's. <sighs> I'm trying to decide how much I want to like rant right now about so about i think i think i'm gonna save the rant uh, so why the one the, the main thing there there are two things that i'm trying to 
I was thinking about, so I'll say them both, but I'm probably just going to, cool. one of them will be. The I'm first turn one down topics. was, um, the first thing that's really top of mind for me is White Privilege 2 okay. by Macklemore. Okay. Which I haven't is the listened new to song. that yet. So basically on one of his older albums, Macklemore wrote and performed the song called White Privilege. And it was actually about his role as a white rapper in the rap world and sort of like what does it mean when he's he achieves a lot of success um partially because like the white mainstream consumer finds him more palatable because of his race right ethnicity and um so that was years back and then flash forward he's like blown up um his thing at the grammys happened where he won over kendrick lamar Mm -hmm. and then texted kendrick lamar to be like sorry dude (laughs) sorry bro Uh, so he released another song sort of because we're in this, this this time right now where we're really examining uh whiteness and this relationship to um the black community and the way that systemic racism has has really affected and with that he released this track um which was him featuring oh don't want to mispronounce her name Jamila King I believe is how you pronounce it um and I finally got to listen to it. I kind of honestly avoided it for a few days because I was just like, I feel like this is going to set off a lot of thoughts and I'm very tired right now. And so I finally... I feel so much of the time. Yeah. And so I finally listened to it today um, because I read a statement put out by Black Lives Matter about it. And it, it I, I mean, as a song, I think it's it's a song. It, it, it does... It, it's him talking about his thoughts about being like a white rapper and having had all the success. And then like, there's a moment in it and it sort of starts off with him with his original, with his thoughts where he's like, why am I the scapegoat? Mm-hmm. But then halfway through the song, it kind of transitions into like, actually, yeah, I have a responsibility as like a white artist with a platform who is co-opting um, black culture to like survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I'm not going to get too, like, I wasn't even, see, I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'm talking about it because it's just so talking <laughs> about it. Um, what I think was really interesting to me about it is that it, I, I, I want to applaud him, but I, I also hope that we can leave room for criticism of the fact that he's still like, like. I feel like that's <laughs> been like the issue with Macklemore since the beginning. Right? Yeah. Like he's like, it seems like he's self-aware. Of like the issues totally. that he's talking about, but at the same time, he's still profiting or like being successful regardless. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. it's okay. yeah, and, yeah, and then it's it's. I think like, do you give him credit or do you like? There's, I think it's a balance, right? Like, totally. And I I think that you can't discount somebody's talent and ability. Like, I I really personally don't believe that you can. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I and I, I think that it's good that he's doing that work um, because I. And I think that's why it's a little bit harder to like talk about a Macklemore because he'll release a song like this that shows that he's act he, he is at least getting the vocabulary right and is at least like doing the conversation. And I know Macklemore through Blue Scholars, so I, I which is a totally like progressive people of color hip hop duo. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, then like you know, you have like this like he, he's sort of co opting, um, like making a lot of money by like rap. 
And then he's also like making even more money by like writing songs about like queer folks while like being straight. And so there's just like a lot happening there. There's a lot um, happening, but I guess what it's um, a lot comes like so many questions arise out of that, right? But I, I just wonder the question that comes to mind is, or like the thought that comes to mind is, he also could have not totally written any of those. He could have just stuck to. I don't know, bitches and not uh, Macklemore would not yeah. rap about <laughs> bitches and hoes, but you know what I'm saying? Like he could, he could rap about anything else. Totally. And I, I think, what's, stores. and, and stores. so I yeah. think where it's, where for me, where I land is it's really in the end, like, I mean, it, to me, it's really about the audience and mm-hmm. it's really about mm-hmm. the larger culture. And th- this goes back to the whole Oscar. So white conversation where it's like, is it Hollywood or is it the consumer? Right. Um, and I don't, want to say my thoughts either way because i'm so far working through them but where my mind went while listening to white privilege though was and this is a huge topic and this is why i didn't want to bring it up but i'm still going to say it anyway because why not um asian american rap i think a lot about mm-hmm. because there are some asian american rappers who totally are rapping from experience mm-hmm. who are not like putting on an accent or what is known as a black scent, which is when a mm-hmm. non-black um, person takes on like an accent that they perceive to be more credible, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but then there definitely are some Asian American rappers who have total, who are totally like, again, like stealing their, or utilizing like a, a, a stereotypical, um, performance of what they think hip hop is mm-hmm. to profit, mm-hmm. and then also to not necessarily then give back to the black community. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think if we're listening to a song like White Privilege, um, I hope that people who are listening to it aren't, the, the takeaway is not just white people are awful or white people need to do work. It's that we all need to do work, mm-hmm. myself included. Like I have stuff that I'm still working through. I think we all have stuff that we're working through. And so it's in thinking about that song and in thinking about the way that people have received it, just from the limited things I've read, um, I really hope that everyone who is not black <laughs> um, is listening to that and really thinking about how it relates to them personally. Right. And in their own lives, with their relationships with people and the yeah. way that they express themselves. And, and uh, cause yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, that's what I imagine artists hope to do with their artists to start conversations, to bring to light issues. Um, I'm just, in my mind, just because, I don't know, maybe I've just become cynical, but I'm imagining like some kids say, like, no, I'm not racist. I listen to Macklemore. Right. Well, here's the th- okay, see, and the, the other okay. So a number of other thoughts are coming up too. So Macklemore, yes, is 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 monetarily profiting off of this music about these topics about mm-hmm. you know things that again he doesn't have to sing, but he chooses to, and he writes it, and he releases it, and and coming from his like yes, it's getting a lot of listens. I'm sure it gets a lot of publicity, and again, the numbers kind of just keep going up and up. But just witnessing people who are artists and the things that they put out and the feedback that they get yeah you can look at it from one standpoint like he's making a buttload of money which hopefully you like what are you going to do with that and there is like that question mark of what where is that money going to go but also i'm sure he's getting a lot of 
he already I'm get I didn't even look into that song, so you brought it up and I have to now listen to it. But I'm sure that the feedback is varied, you know, in terms of like it's really pe- varied. People really praising varied. him and yeah. people hating him. You know what I'm saying? So it's not I don't think he was he's not expecting like roses and daisies out of releasing this song. So I don't know, this is me just trying to be like an optimist for this because I'm just I like <laughs> everything has come under scrutiny, right? And rightfully so. I'm not saying that we shouldn't scrutinize and put things under the microscope if if they're, they're meaningful and we need to learn something out of it, but also like I don't know, man. Well, he kind of asked for. I mean, the topic itself is straight up like yeah, let's I, talk yeah, about I, I this think big it's, subject. I think what's what's for me what I've always what what's always been interesting to me about it is like there there are just so many artists who don't get play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it it's not I I don't I'm not of the mindset that Malcolm Moore is awful. I, there are a lot of people who are and there are people who listen to this podcast who will probably like text me and be like, "All right, let's talk about that." <laughs> but to each their own guys. You know, but for me it's it's more what does it say about the way that we're consu- we're still consuming media, mm-hmm. the way that we're still the the, re- the fact that we're still we're talking about these things and we're all talking about Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. da 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 da, mm-hmm. but like there are some really solid tracks being put out by like Black folks mm-hmm. around this very topic that mm-hmm. have gotten absolutely no shine. Right? Um, maybe it really is just because he wrote a catch song about their shop. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's hundred percent it. But then I, I also think about like. Yeah, like, you know, maybe that's it. And I but like in terms of like artists who have put out music that really criticizes white supremacy, it's like the only black artist I think who I've heard like get radio play has been like Kendrick Lamar. Right. Right. And the songs he's getting radio play for are like not really about that. Right. So it's yeah. like how are we if we're gonna keep talking about this and we're gonna keep saying that we're down, what are we consuming and why? Right. Yeah. I mean right. you, you make a good point and you know all the stuff with appropriation and what does that mean? Like, you know, is hip hop like, you know, it's characterized or classified as black culture, but at the same time, also American culture, right? It's part of. Yeah. But it's, it's still like jazz and rock and any number of clothing styles. Like it's, it's still the legacy of things being like stuff that was made by black folks to cope with, white supremacy <laughs> mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was then stolen by white folks and monetized yeah so it's which is not to say like again i i, <laughs> I i'm not saying i'm a hip-hop gatekeeper i'm really not mm-hmm. but i i think that there are nuances to it that i hope that we're opening to we're open to discussing yeah. because it's and yeah. it's it's a narrative that we've seen even in hollywood right like for the longest time, even now you can still see it, like minority stories only really work if you have the white lead or the great yeah. white hope or that kind of, you know, story um, like, conventions, yeah. right? Which goes back to Oscar So White, which I really like. I'm so tired <laughs> of talking about. But it's, um, yeah. it's but like... But it's also been spurned again by Sundance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the fact that, like, for me, I'm, like, for me, like, I, I think what was more... What is more shocking to me was looking at the roles that like black women have won for, and they've all been like stereotypical, like fe- like 
slaves and like maids and yeah and well, so it's like <laughs> they literally get rewarded for playing the roles that they're expected to so it's it's like well i heard this from another podcast i listened to but, but you know um oscar so white brings the light that you know even though there were um i guess if you look okay i guess if you look back at movies that won for best picture or got nominated and got recognized they all the trend is that they all have like they all have a a part of their story that what's the right word that um feeds no <laughs> um it has to do with white guilt oh, right yeah. they're all like selma was about the civil rights movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Twelve Years a Slave was about slavery. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the, the recent roles that African American and Black people have yeah. been recognized for are all stories. Like it's like the Academy can't recognize it unless they oh we have to because yeah we feel guilty. You know we, we're gonna this is gonna solve this is our way of saying sorry for slavery. That's, you know? I would not be surprised. Yeah, and like my thing is always I I I. I think it's important to keep telling these stories and but like especially in an Asian American context I'm like let's talk about let's talk about empowerment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's stop talking well let's not stop but let's let's hold back on the victimization a little bit mm-hmm. because I feel like I'd rather my kids see a movie with a kick-ass Asian American lead mm-hmm. who's yeah. like doing right mm-hmm. than like look at how oppressed our people were. Yeah. I can have that conversation with my kid, and yeah. I will. Right. But I want my kid to have role models that. Anyway. Yeah. We don't want <laughs> our first Oscar to be about, like, the internment cat movie or whatever. What was? It was Miyoshi and Mickey, but I don't know what <laughs> well, she's going okay. for. See, and, well, I, so I, I, well, actually, we're not going to talk about Sundance yet, right? Well, I'll save it. Well, let's move on to your topic, because yeah. it's, it's um, similar, because you're going to talk about another, <laughs> um, this is so like a white sick moment, of, which is um, apparently about. it's been reported that Fines is gonna play Michael Jackson. I honestly don't even know what my opinion is on that. I'm just so like I don't know what to do with that information. I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. Well, Michael is like one of my idols. Like you can't don't don't mess with that. I mean, it's really he's such a complicated person and character and human being to play. He's like truly. One of a kind. There will never be. So it's not like some random actor can just like walk up and be <laughs> Michael Jackson. So I guess um to talk about the topic a little bit at least, um as an actress, as an actor, mm-hmm. you know, what's your opinion on the fact that like, so as an actor, it's your job to become characters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Real quick, just to cut in, I just looked it up. So Miyoshi Yameki, <laughs> who won Best Supporting Actress like way back, mm-hmm. so she won for the movie Sayonara which is about the picture tells the story of an American Air Force flyer who was an ace pilot during the Korean War. Unlike most 1950s romantic dramas, Saonada deals direct deals squarely with racism and prejudice. Oh. Anyway, back to huh. music. It's a when trend. When was that? 1957, I think. <laughs> wow. So, you know, they have a, it, it's a, it's a trend. It's a pattern. Anyways. I don't know why anyone's surprised about it though. No one's surprised about it. I think it's just, that these days, more people—it's under more scrutiny, so more people are talking about it. And you know, the hope is always that to talk about it, bringing it to light will 
at least encourage some people to the people people in power to change to change things to change things, right? But it just makes my brain melt. <laughs> Excuse the, like the complete and utter frustration. I just get so tired of talking about it. Like I, I agree, it's so exhausting. I just, like I care so much that I just don't give a shit. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm just being really real yeah. right now. No, I think that's because real. Because everything turns into that discussion. And I feel awkward because I'm in an acting school full of, it's a diverse room and it's a lot of white people. And they know what I do because I'm always posting stuff. And that's why I honestly limit even what I want to say because I'm like, I don't want to talk about this shit all the time. Like I have other things that I'm interested in. This is not the sole purpose, the sole instigator, the sole thought that goes through my mind all the time. I'm not walking around feeling like, oh, you're racist. And people feel extra sensitive around me because they know that I'm the executive director of an Asian American diversity in media organization. And I love that they respect that and that they're sensitive. It's awesome. But honestly, I'm kind of like, yo, I'm a normal person too. I like different movies just because of the Oscars so white doesn't mean that I didn't like Big Short doesn't mean that I didn't like Spotlight you know what I'm saying like they're all I love all those actors I love all those movies I don't think that they don't deserve appreciation for the amazing work that was done but there are underlying things under there that is just like it's it's messed up and it's been it's been like that for a long time so it's just time to acknowledge it sorry you feel guilty about that but I'm also sorry that like People like me who want to be, you know, we ain't got no roles. Like, nobody thinks that we're marketable. So it's kind of a two-way street. It sucks for all, but we just got to deal with it. Yeah. But anyway, acting with, I don't know. I was trying to think of, like, an analogy that would, like, sum up what I feel about the Michael Jackson thing. Here's my thing. It's not even about race for me. It's about accuracy, okay? You have a story, right? Like, say we did a biopic about freaking Big Bird, Right? And we, we cast Snuffleupagus to play Big Bird. That's wrong. That's the wrong story. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. This was wrong with Aloha. This was wrong. Like, they, like uh, uh, the Scarlett Johansson thing. Like, why would you take a story? It's the wrong story. I had issues with Titanic, okay? I'm saying, like, yeah. why Kate Winslet? I was like, she's not 17. I was hella mad when I was nine years old. I was like, that's all wrong. Well, she's supposed to be 17. She was supposed to be 17. She's supposed to be 17? Yeah. See? See, that's the story. The story is that Rose Dewitt Bicator was 17 years old. He says it at the very top of the movie. The guy with the beard, the, the fat guy. To be fair, I've never seen Titanic the whole entire way through. Okay. The first I time mean, I saw it in theaters. She doesn't seem 17. I but in any case, in, right? I walked in the theater right when the boat hit the iceberg. So I, That's I, when you walked in the theater? Yeah, I saw the movie. That's like, that's like two three hours long. Like I saw the, way in. the best part. And no, that's, that's not the best part. <laughs> God, the boat was beautiful. I was just in love with the boat. But you know what I'm saying? I care about story. That's the kind of uh, artistic consumer that I am. So like on a broad scale, it's not just about race. Like the racism is a highlighted part of like. No, totally. You just effed up the story so bad and disrespected people on top of that by blatant. Because you know what I'm saying? When you make films, right? And maybe people from Sundance can like attest to this. I've seen it happen. People will go psycho over a prop. Do you know what I'm saying? They will get mad for like a vampire movie that you didn't get the right tooth. Do you know? They will go crazy and they will spend thousands of dollars to make the, sure that they got the right vampire tooth because that other tooth looks like shit and they're not going to make their movie with that uh-huh. shitty tooth. But you're going to take a whole character, a whole culture, a whole race, like whatever. But that's completely irrelevant that's that's something you can just toss aside it doesn't matter you can cast whoever for that as long as they make you some money that pisses me off as an artist that makes me really annoyed because i care about accuracy of story and 
Otherwise, the suspension of belief, like you actually giving shit about what's happening in the story is false or contrived or just like misleading or all the things. It's not real. That's what I don't like as a whole. Yeah. I mean, all the people to cast for that biopic, you pick Voldemort. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It, it also just sounds. <laughs> I like, don't know, man. I don't. I, it's just that project on the whole just sounds very. Like, See, I didn't even again. Full disclosure: I didn't even open the article. So, so I was like, about, I can't go there right now. I have too many things on my mind. It's about after nine eleven. <laughs> there is a urban legend that has been confirmed by one person and then denied by another. That after nine eleven, in order to get out of the city and make it to like a gig or something. Michael Jackson, Elizabeth Taylor, and Marlon Brando went on a road trip together. Excuse me? And so this is the story of that road trip. Yeah. That's lovely. I'm like, no matter, like, I get it. Like, you know. It's art. Michael, like, (laughs) Michael became a bit of a caricature by the end of his life. But I'm also just like, don't, oh, no. I think he's it's a legend, and that's to, that's messed it's up hard to for disrespect me to him. Disrespect. I mean, part of it's also probably his family cashing in, but yeah. I don't know. Anyways, one last topic. So I I had a couple of things on my mind that I wanted to talk about. Um, we'll keep it short because we're running a little long this first segment. Um, of course, we are. But I don't know if I want to talk about Bob. I want to talk about my other thing. Let's talk about something a little bit lighter. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um gone on one rant kind of light my other thing was uh because i saw spotlight so i wanted to talk about like another news. lighthearted <laughs> subject well i I've, That's a great i watched spotlight and i've also just recently started watching newsroom so i have journalism media like stuff yeah. is on my mind but um we can save that for another time let's talk about bob and his feud internet feud so with neil degrasse explain, tyson explain for us yeah so for those who don't know bob is a rapper that had some I guess some limited success a couple of years ago with a couple um, singles that got played on the um, on the that, airwaves. Uh, he was that the Bruno Mars breakout song. Yeah, Millionaire. Nothing on you. Uh, nothing on you. Airplanes. Yeah. And then he did that really okay song with um, the Weezer dude. Sure. Um, Can we pretend that airplanes? The um, the yeah. ma- I got the non voice. Anyways. Oh, magic. Yeah. Yes. That song. <laughs> yeah. So apparently. Um, he tweets a lot about his you know, personal beliefs. And among his personal beliefs is that the world is actually flat mm-hmm. and the sun revolves around the world. Mm-hmm. And that, I guess um, it, there's a group called... And that airplanes flat in the night sky are shooting stars. <laughs> I guess there's a group called Flat Earth Truthers that um, believe that... Of, of course there are. <laughs> that NASA is preventing people from going to North Pole, the poles because they, they want to hide the fact that like, you can fall off. And so Neil deGrasse Tyson takes to Twitter to correct a young man, and then they started beefing. And then this beef has turned into um, B.O.B. writing sick raps about, <laughs> against Neil deGrasse Tyson. And then Neil deGrasse Tyson's nephew, whose rap name is Tyson, um, writing other sick raps back to, uh, to refute them. Are they really? Are they sick raps? <laughs> This is when I hate pop culture, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, this is where I love pop culture, to be honest. By all accounts, the, the raps that they've been writing are pretty sick. Like, the That's beats cool. are, are tight. Um, but the... I'm going to share a link. The, <laughs> my head hurts. <laughs> we don't have to go there, but I guess... Um, man. I just... Twitter, man. The internet is such quit. a place, and I I don't know. I'm like... 
I guess this is like leading to a less light conversation again, but I'm, <laughs> let's read books, you guys. <laughs> I've kind of, I've kind of been stepping Literature? back from social media for real. Like I, it's too much. I came out of Twitter hiatus to post like the Blazing Rays of the Sun new album, which nice. is pretty good. Yeah, but pretty like that's good. pretty much. It. I've I've tweeted one or two things here or there. I Instagrammed like. <laughs> a photo shoot that I've been shit like that, <laughs> that was great. But uh I, I I did Instagram a lot in Sunday, but since then and yeah. before then I didn't. Yeah, I've been probably kinda of quiet since I came back from it's Asia. It's too much. <laughs> but um that's an interesting point because that was part of the reason why Neil deGrasse Tyson replied to Beale because BLB has like two million followers apparently. Mm-hmm. So he was saying, It's cool that you believe this stuff. You're free to, it's your prerogative. But you have a duty as someone people listen to mm-hmm. to like get your facts right, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And this dude is like probably the, the smartest guy in the world, right? One of yeah. the smartest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get yeah. that. Yeah, I just um, Twitter. I, I just <laughs> I just strongly like. I think back to like Zanga Flame Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But now it isn't blog posts. It's like a hundred forty. So I. That get retweeted 48,000 times. And so I just really think about what kind of, and at the risk of sounding like a grumpy old man, like I just, I just really think (laughs) about what this means for the way that we value conversation and we value people. Right. Um, Because we literally are becoming like just a face at the end of, like not even a moving face. Like it's just bizarre. Yeah, and I mean, I'm saying this as like somebody who has made his living as like a social media professional. Like I, right. I, I genuinely. All three of us have very strong, like yeah. heavy vested interest in so, and usage well, thing, of like, social media. None of us have. I don't know if you have, but I like my profile small enough that stuff that I post don't really piss people off. Mm-hmm. But I do. We we all know people who've been targets of you no know, character assassination of mm-hmm. trolls of oh yeah know. and like i i was that for like a while and then i learned how you to were shut trolling people. no i was oh. i was trolled but then okay. i uh, mm-hmm. but then i learned how to shut people down really quick <laughs> so it's yeah it's it's so many people go out there they want the they want haters because they feel like they got some sort of validation that they've made it or whatever it's just really bizarre to me and my brother we were having this conversation actually a few years ago, but he was just kind of astounded. He doesn't partake in social media nearly to any degree that I do, but he was just saying as like a anthropological study, this is a very profound time that we can actually by the moment or the day, yeah. you know, the day or the era, the whatever period of time capture what was relevant or what was mm-hmm. on people's minds at that time in a quantifiable way. And he's like, that is insane. And we've never been able to do that. And then the other part of that conversation is everyone's like, well, we're not changing as humanity. We're revealing what humanity is. No, I totally is. agree. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We're like, yeah. oh, social media is screwing everybody up. And I was like, no, it's not. That's actually just hi- shedding light. Totally. But I, I think we're, and I totally agree with that because I, I think, yeah, I totally agree with it shedding light um, because we just have the tools to do what we've always wanted to do. But right, and there's I a hashtag what, now to track. <laughs> yeah, I think what that means, though, is that it changes the way we communicate. Right. And and I, I worry mostly about the communication mm-hmm. um, and the way that we talk to each other and the way that we we listen or do not listen or speak over or shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, Things are definitely becoming... Yeah. And maybe that's how I'll tie this back into the whole media and 
spotlight newsroom thing is just the way people argue points now is so people aren't only meeting in the middle anymore it's one side or the other you're against me you're for me or against me like we we see it all the time even in like internet comment sections right like because you don't agree with me on this point mm-hmm. you're obviously a terrible person who mm-hmm. no one should listen to and i'm gonna you know make it my goal to make sure everyone knows on the flip side though what i think is kind of fascinating just because of the speed of the internet right the speed at which we learn about things and they become this hot topic and then kind of go away optimistic tidbit potentially optimistic maybe that also allows us to evolve a little bit faster Hopefully, if if in if in fact you are open minded and and learning something and getting enlightened from a discussion or from someone else's argument point of view, it's happening faster. You can't. You're finding out about things at this rate that you cannot even control because the rest of the world, whether you like it or not, like all this stuff that you guys are talking about, I didn't even open because I don't want to, but I'm still learning about it now. Right? Um, the discussions are they're they're amplifying and they're kind of unavoidable. So I just wonder what that means in terms of us as a society changing faster. Saying like in context, even like twenty thirty years ago, what would make that discussion of racism or whatever would take it would be elongated, prolonged over like yeah. five, ten, twenty years. And like if, yeah. now it's if, happening in like six months. And right? if you think about the way that like vocabulary is caught on, like terms yeah. like white privilege. Yeah, like that's not a term that people were just throwing around. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Ago. Like it. Well, it I mean, was, fifty years yeah. ago, you couldn't even like you can grow up like people could live their whole entire lives and not see a minority, right? Right. Right. Or even know that other countries exist, right? Well, I mean, even well, I mean, <laughs> just, just be real, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked about that even like in the Asian American community, like how I, when I was in college you know, less than a decade ago-ish. But, you know, when I was in CASA, we did not use the vocabulary that I hear college students now using. We just did not have those conversations. Course, we did yeah. not talk about, sit around talking about intersectionality. We, which, we went out and like, where's Soju and karaoke? Which is still the same. I mean, even when I was in school, it was like there was a really small group of folks who would talk like that. And I was kind of I literally knew and zero, then, yeah. And then it was like outside of that, I mean, even now, I think if you say drop the word intersectionality at like your average Asian Pacific, like Asian yeah. club meeting, kids aren't going to immediately go, oh, yeah, yeah, intersectionality. <laughs> you know, like you're still going to have to do some education. So it, it's really, I, I think that it's just the evolution of language into your point. It's just happening really, really quickly. And yeah. so I think as long as we're mindful of how we internalize the definitions of all these words and our usage of them, like it's. I can see though, and I'm saying even from my my point of view, where I am very welcoming of that, and like I'm I'm eager to learn that and have that conversation. Even for me, it's overwhelming. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, it's I'm like no, I totally, feel like totally. my yeah. thought process is just so like it's too much. <laughs> let's watch Parks and Rec. I can't do anything. I'm like, Leslie, no, too many thoughts and feelings. I want waffles. <sighs> and on that note, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. <laughs> Uh, before coming back and talking about Sean and Minji's adventure last weekend into Utah <laughs> on Sundance. Yeah. Um, this is the Cloudcast, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment, discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the Asian American creatives and cool people in our communities. 
Mindy Chang, what's going on collaboration Snorting these Mindy. days? Collaboration. We are in the process of recruiting volunteers for our 2016 year. We're already planning a lot of stuff out. I feel like we've kind of got this vision for this year, and I'm really excited. And so if you are interested in being part of that, um, putting on some really cool live events in your local communities, meeting some really dope local artists, and making friends and building leadership skills, all that fun stuff, I encourage you to go to collaboration.org um, and check out the application so you can see what's going on in your community and join the movement. Yeah, the application's up at collaboration.org, like Minji said. Um, and we are recruiting in all 14 of our member cities. So if you are you have a collaboration local to you and like to get involved, uh, please check us out. Um, we're also looking for writers uh, for our blog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've been uh, working really hard. If you've been following our website for the last couple of months, um, putting out great content, um, articles about um, Asian Americans doing cool stuff, um, media news and reactions, and if you feel like you've got the skills to get published, uh, shoot us a pitch or send us um, we say you do. an inquiry at blog at collaboration.org. Raise your voice, guys. And speaking of emails, um, we're always looking for emails to um, read on our podcast uh, from our loyal listeners. So if you got any questions, comments, feedback, or just uh, want to say hi, uh, send us an email at podcast at collaboration.org. We always love hearing from you guys. And if you really want to support us, the best way is actually to um, give us a quick rating if you're a subscriber on iTunes. Um, any star will do, um, but Only five. we prefer four or five. I think we deserve that. And yeah, um, just... Um, Our souls are in this <laughs> work, you guys. Give us five stars. That's really the best way um, if you're an iTunes subscriber because that helps us um, rise up the ranks in the iTunes algorithm and be able to, I guess, serve us to other... <laughs> listeners who might be interested and even if you don't listen to us on itunes if you have any friends who you think might um like what we have to say uh, we really appreciate if you uh, shared or recommended our podcast also listen to the untitled music asian american music podcast by our friend sean please sharing is caring yeah it's pretty good sorry <laughs> and uh, i think that's it you got anything else to say i love you guys all right back to the show And we're back. What up? Welcome back to the How club. The break, Marvin. How are you feeling? The break was great. <laughs> it was great. You're feeling I'm refreshed. Very rested. Good. Right now. Rejuvenated. My name is Marvin Yue, along with my co-host Christine Minji Chang, and we're here with our guest Sean Mira. Still here of Tuesday Night Cafe and um, of Los Angeles of, of life of life. <laughs> Guys, you guys were at Sundance. Of awesomeness. Yes, we were. Last we weekend. were at Sundance. I want to be like there right City. now. How was... So, <laughs> Thunder Snow didn't reach Sundance, right? That was just the East Coast? No, Oh, it no. Snow reached. It snowed. Snow reached. It snowed. The but it wasn't city. like no, Snowzilla, no whatever they're calling. No, 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 no. No, it was, it was definitely like Sean digging... We had the to shovel out. the driveway to get you out. Guys get you guys out. had the full experience. Yeah. I was like... I was giddy. I was like the idiot. I was like, <laughs> I want to shovel snow. And then I did it once. I was like, never mind. Well, yeah. Sean, you're, you're, from, you're from Jersey, right? So you've experienced this, I'm right? Canadian and I'm an East Coaster. So yeah. it's like not... This right. is something that I left. I, yeah. I left it. It's like... Bye. It's like when Bye, you Felicia. walk from the sushi restaurant to Ralph's. And all they have left is like 
the sushi and you're like i had left someplace literally because of this reason and so i i i uh was un- not happy to be having to do that and then driving at like yeah. 60 miles an hour down a freeway you went 60 miles an hour okay i was probably much less than yeah that you were <laughs> but like i couldn't see the lines on the freeway yeah that was scary yeah I mean, like, I, well, I, had a I was over at the East Coast for three years too in DC, and I, winters were much milder when I was there. But we still had to deal with the shoveling and did the you, snow. Did and you the drive? Um, I did after graduation. Okay, I drove for a little bit. It's scary. And yeah, man, <laughs> so like, I was imagining. I was imagining you saying, "Oh, this shit again," and I imagine me going, "Woo, snow!" <laughs> without yeah. realizing just that, like. Yeah, don't shovel this stuff. It becomes really, really hard. I've gone to Tahoe every year of my life, my friend. <laughs> I've dealt with snow before. I'm staying at cabins where we have to shovel and drive, and it's scary. And I've driven to Michigan. That was the first time I ever drove on like snow slash ice. Mm-hmm. And I li- I lived yeah. I was leaving um, Ann Arbor campus. I was visiting my brother. I dropped him off, and it had iced, and they hadn't reached it to Salty yet. So oh. it was like fresh ice, and so I I literally just coasted down. I had no control over the car, and I just had to steer, <laughs> and I was so scared. That's not great. It's yeah. scary. You but probably Utah, shouldn't have been driving. No. But Utah is very well kept. Yeah. Yes, right? Because those yes. freeways and like. They were very. They were. that Like I was not slipping on the freeway. Yeah. I was very was impressed. Good. Yeah. Even though you couldn't see the lines. But you guys weren't in Utah to look at the snow or to drive on snow. You guys were there to watch movies. We were there to experience Sundance, which or, is so much more than movies. Well, in Minji's case, not getting into movies, but yeah. yeah. Well, in my the case, movie. in my case, only <laughs> getting into one movie. So it's <laughs> it's really one of those things where you're kind of talking to probably like the two worst people. Take, no, but I feel like between the two of us, we probably have like a very comprehensive. Between you and you, you probably had like a very limited. But well, Minji also went to like a bunch of parties, though, according to her yeah. Okay. Facebook. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. She got she got into parties. Yeah, I did. Using I, her, her. I mean, I got. I was at parties. You were technically. Yeah, you were. It was fun. Yeah, it was salad. It was. It was. <laughs> so in Utah, so in Utah, apparently, if you're serving alcohol, you also have to serve food. Mm. Oh, you have to. Yeah, I had so no idea. At the that's also a law visual, in Denver too. Oh, yeah, so, today I learned. So, <laughs> what? So the reason why? Well, I was a Sundance to see spa night, but then um, I talked to. Ed Ferrer over at Visual Communications, a media arts organization based in downtown Los Angeles. Um, and he was going to be there as well. And they were throwing, they were having two panels and then a party. And then he said, if I worked them, then I could crash on their floor. Nice. So I was like, well, <laughs> sure. Was it the same deal they gave Minji? Because Minji was the moderator. of couches right? too. It was the same floor. deal. I, mm-hmm. I, slept, I slept on the floor. Okay. Um, and so uh, we went out for that. So I helped film one of the panels and then both panels and then uh, Minji moderated the second one yeah and that was about diversity but then at the evening we had a party that was a joint party between visual communications and a production company named Tunnel something I don't remember well, anyway. great so, party guys so uh, <laughs> no the party was fun party was fun but because they were serving alcohol someone was serving salad <laughs> Irene, the greatest Irene of all pub foods. No, it was tea. It was Burmese Bur- tea. Burma tea love. Bur- yeah, is the name of the company. Yeah, it was. It was tea. Uh, it's like tea fermented leaf salad. Tea salad. Yeah, fermented tea leaf, leaf salad. salad. It's so good. It was pretty good. But we were all Sounds starving, good. and like that was yeah. like the main thing. So I ate like a gigantic, like multiple plates of this salad. Just yeah. salad all night long. <laughs> and then there was like a it was sponsored alcohol. The rum. 
I really, we I really should know the name of that, but I, we don't. I did not ingest this beverage. It was basically like rum, but what coconut? The, the, the catch was there was coconut water frozen into the cup, and then they poured the rum on top of that. And That's so what it was. That's as fancy. it melted, it's like it wouldn't water it down; it would just enhance the flavor, right? And it keep it hydrated because coconut water, yeah. electrolytes. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. It was good. It tasted a little like maple syrup, but you know. I did not see. I didn't drink this. I well, was warned thoroughly by Bo. Bo, see a shout out. I love you. Thank you for giving. He's like altitude, honey, because he knows that I can't drink. It's probably like <laughs> I'd have a thimble and I'd be yeah. like a wreck. <laughs> so I didn't partake. But it was a fun night. Yeah. How was um? So you guys got to see different movies because I know you got in a screening of the um Ewan McGregor movie, right? Yeah, the Don Cheadle movie. Oh, oh the Miles Davis movie. Yeah, miles ahead. Um, I arrived on Friday, so I got there earlier than Sean. And then um, Irene Cho, who runs the Daily Buzz, awesome woman who helped organize in conjunction with VC um, the entire APA event. She's worked her butt off for so many years. Yeah, she was a producer on um, so, uh, Soul she, Searching. She helped, yeah, right. with the with the um, marketing and PR. Mm-hmm. And she uh, put together helped put together these panels. And then she she gave me like the ticket. She of course had to watch all these movies. Like it's her job. She's like, I have to watch all these movies. I can't go. And I was like, Oh, boohoo, hard job. <laughs> but I know, like you know, was, she looks so tired. She was exhausted. But I was like, I want to watch movies. She gave me the ticket. I'm actually really excited to see this the Miles Davis movie just I because liked it. like, um, I was in jazz band back in high school. No, nice. I played quite a bit of Miles Davis. But I I had I mean. I've I know again it's like kind of like the David Bowie thing like you know Miles Davis because it's freaking Miles Davis but I had it like listed I didn't know names of albums I don't know names of I don't know names of songs but I know that Miles Davis was a very prolific artist and musician but to learn his story was like mind-blowing and to so you would recommend I recommended it apparently there are people who didn't like it but again any movie there's always gonna be people who don't like it yeah but it's Don Cheadle's directorial debut he also plays Miles Davis he oh. learned the trumpet for this movie it's cray awesome yeah and then Sean got to see Spa Night which is Night. the hot ticket yeah so really Spa though? Night is about a Korean American family in Los Angeles Koreatown um, who is facing challenges financially um and 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 relationship wise and then meanwhile the son is closeted and takes a job at a korean spa and kind of discovers this underground world of like gay hookups happening within the spa which uh, the spa itself being a like very family oriented setting for him Mm. um so it's kind of it's it's even though it is centered around the spa as a location after watching it, it's actually like really a family story. Um, and a very powerfully, beautifully, um, put together one at that. I can't and this was directed by, um, listeners might remember our friend Andrew on who was on the doll episode a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Tor. <laughs> I don't speak doll doll yeah but Andrew is I'm just I mean I didn't get to see it but there's something about even when he we talked about it uh I heard about it before I ever met Andrew there's something about the way even people described it 
I don't know. I had this like gut feeling. I was like, this is going to be a really great movie. There's certain movies where you hear the premise or you hear people from like from people involved and it's just kind of described in an awkward way or something, you know, something seems kind of off. Something about this movie, I was like, it's going to be really well done. And this is before I met Andrew. I had this feeling. I was yeah. like, I can't wait to see this. It's, it's, um, what, what's really interesting about it is that it's, well, first off, there are just a few things that are very different about it. So it's like 75% in korean wow because the main character is like a the son of korean immigrants and Mm -hmm. so why would they yeah like you know well in a family where korean is a predominant language like why would and they're in koreatown why would they be speaking korean spas are still kind of an enclave of korean for sure yeah especially in k-town well like now it's super super diverse but and and so that and that's one thing where it's like at the spas where they're english accessible that's Mm -hmm. where a lot of the hookups happen right because it's so it's uh it's interesting in that respect. It's also interesting in that it really examines Koreatown from like a human level. Really different level. Like it's I feel like a lot of I've seen it I've seen I've seen a lot of movies that like treat Boyle Heights a certain way and like Echo Park and like give like really humanize them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've never seen anything from Koreatown that isn't like the girls and the flashiness and right. like soldier was, everywhere. I was just thinking like the last drinking. couple of things that had to do with Koreatown have always been about the crazy parties or like yeah. the the you know cultural idiosyncrasies of like booking or whatever and like look at all this crazy shit that people get crazy for. And like and like we're not talking smack on Yeah, no, because that's that what that's a part of Koreatown. Like yeah, that that is totally. all there and it's true and it's hilarious. It's yeah. ridiculous and it's very entertaining. But this—that's why I love that this was such a different take on it. Yeah, and a it's really different take. Yeah, like you see, you follow this family like from the spa to the restaurant they own mm-hmm. to like church to like a moving like they're all. He's always running up and down Western. Like it's it's really it's kind of funny watching it because I'm like recognizing yeah that's like my daily there, like all there all the time when I go to the ATM and stuff like that you know yeah but. It, it, beyond that, though, just like it's a really, it was really beautifully shot, and the story is really beautiful, and like the characters are amazing. And at the Q and A, um, none of the actors had seen it, mm-hmm. and so the really? main, act- yeah, none of the actors had seen it, and so the main actor actually like, someone asked him a question, and he started to answer and like started to kind of break down, and he was just like, "I'm sorry, this is the first time I've seen this movie," and just could not finish. Um, so it was it was really clear that Andrew like really directed with a very like human in a very human way. Mm-hmm. It was very respectful um, and it really showed through in the So when it when it comes out in LA and I there is undoubtedly there was of course there is going to be like an LA premiere at one of the festivals um I think I'm not sure which one but um if they don't i'm gonna get my hands on i'm gonna yeah. make a big party we're gonna do it but like when it happens <laughs> i'll like, kickstart that i don't care <laughs> this is gonna be one of those movies where you uh, really want to get because like it, it's it's a hard subject matter yeah especially the way that it's being marketed yeah mm-hmm. because um i think for some very good reasons like they're yeah. they're definitely highlighting like the the hot hookups and da, 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 da. yeah but at the heart of it's it like PR it's stuff, a yeah. really really sex sells man family but if that's what's going to get people to watch this then yeah like it's it's really a story of some it was the same thing with like freaking brokeback mountain like the way that everyone was talking about this is the most ridiculous thing is a beautiful piece of art and a heartbreaking heartwarming yeah. story and work of art by Ang Lee and I was like you guys have minimized this ridiculous thing but if that's what makes people go watch it then 
And and not to say that sex is not beautiful. Yeah, that's what I'm and saying. Not to sex say is that beautiful. That is not beautiful. It can but, be beautiful. But like I think what's great about this movie is that you can connect with it mm-hmm. on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. And I, I really there are some people who I really want to see it. Right. And I know that if they just know the premise, they're not gonna see it. Mm-hmm. So I'm It's a tough thing. Yeah. I I, I yeah. There's so, a power and beauty of art in my yeah. opinion, but then it's also so like Yeah. You can't you can't force people to like yeah. open to that. Yeah. And Unless it's you use some kind of ninja trickery <laughs> and they're just like, Oh, I yeah. didn't know. And it's just super awesome that, you know, movies like Spa Night and movies like last year's Advantageous, it's we're we're getting not I say we as in Asian America, but there are movies that are you know, people in our community are making now that are getting to the level where they can what's the right word, compete? Like they can like stand side by side with, you know, because for a long time I feel like we've made movies with kind of either a chip on our shoulder or kind of like... We, we have yeah. the luxury as our generation of Asian American creatives of having decades and decades of reference material. Right. right. Whereas... And years of experience yeah. to like... And we're still creating that reference material, right? Absolutely. But like we are lucky in that we had the the term Asian American coming out of the 60s and then discussions around like gender and class and everything in the 70s and then in the 90s this great body of like art and work that sort of um did build from stuff that happened in decades before and now that we're in an age where all these topics have sort of been explored Mm -hmm. we're able to speak in a shorthand that we didn't have before for sure and with that um as more and more asian americans are in the industry we're able to on a technical level on a technical level yeah. we're able to make content that is so important that, for me yeah and it, it isn't yeah. even just like they're asian it's that they have the experience and understanding of the film and the subject matter like where, more storytellers with the tools yeah that, to tell and that brings me to something that minji was talking about when she first came back which is just like she was saying how she wished like more people need to go to things like the sundance yeah right Amen. because i mean andrew on talent director but you know he was part of the diversity program at sundance that you know is now more and more in place because of things like oscar so white putting a spotlight on the need for diverse voices in writing rooms in right director's chairs in, and that's that was the, that was like the kind of the to be honest like the panel i wish we kind of dived deeper and gotten a little bit more specific but overall the the, the diversity panel that i was moderating we did go talk about that topic of you know are we raising the bar are we getting more diverse what are the opportunities for people of color for women for just underrepresented voices that have not had their stories told in any sort of widespread scale so that was great but i also wanted because this panel was like such a great you know, it was it was Francis from Visual Communications. It was Peter Baxter who runs. He created Slam Dance, which was an offshoot of, of Sundance. Um, it was Mercedes. I forgot. This, oh my gosh, Mercedes from uh, Array, which is a production company um, mm-hmm. that supports women of color and people uh, women women and people of color for uh, filmmaking. And then Phil Yu, angry Asian man, Dan Maeda from uh, East West Players, and then me moderating. So it was all this amazing experience, and from a very diverse backgrounds, just in that panel, but. I wanted to get specific, like, where do these people go? What specifically do we need to do? What do we literally give us the Google words? What do we search, right? What should we do to level up right now? Because I was still 
I was I was thrilled to be at Sundance. It was one of the best experience, and I will go every year. Every year that I can go, I will go. And what I hope in saying this, whoever's listening to this podcast, if this is something that you are serious about, whether it's film or um, tech or writing or music, get your ass to Sundance. Get your ass to South by Southwest. These are the places where people in the industry, the people who make decisions or have years of expertise or have resources or connections, this is where they congregate. So eat out less, put it in a piggy bank, literally (laughs) just to, you know, this is what I really want for me. This is my wish. And I didn't say this on the panel, but this is what I wish for the artistic community is that, we go in 1,000%. And I'm not just talking about our heart. I'm talking about our dollars, our dollars and our time, right? Because it's not cheap to go to these things, to make take a flight, book a place, what, get a rental car, whatever. But do it. Make it a priority, right? And don't be afraid to ask questions because this is like, this is where we level up. And that's why I'm so proud of Andrew because he 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 went, he took that shot and got the Sundance Fellowship to make this freaking movie, you know what I mean? He yeah. put in the work and he took that chance. But there are all these talented people out there and I'm going on another rant. But like <laughs> I know, I know that there's so many brilliant artists out there who maybe have just like, they just don't know, well, wh- why should I go? I'm not in a film in Sundance. There's parties, you guys. There are restaurants. There's salads. There are salads. Okay? Salads this is And this is maybe what, and this is what I hope to shed light through this podcast is South by Southwest Sundance are festivals that take over a small town. Well, Austin's not small, but like it takes over a community and everyone is there for like a week or more, sometimes like two. You, they're just, everyone's flying in from literally all over the world to be there. You just got to be there. Yeah. You know? You heard it, guys. We're rolling deep next year. Sundance. Seriously. Sundance. No, this is this yeah. is Sundance, South by Southwest. Go to Coachella. How freaking <laughs> Coachella, yeah. amazing is it? You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. this is where musicians go. Yeah, yeah. We should set up like a collaboration meetup or something. I'm there. down. Let's do it. You and, know what I'm saying? Sean, but, let's get on it. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then to piggyback on that, like I, I really think totally know your craft, build your craft, like show up, network the hell out of it. But hell yeah. At the end of the day... I also hope that we can move past being scared of knowing and telling our own stories. Right. I feel like that's a huge thing where so many Asian American artists think, oh, well, it's not marketable, so why should I talk about it? Or they've internalized like the years and years of your story is not worth anything. Mm -hmm. And so they're unable to fully, fully um, examine it. So when it comes down to like that script that they need to pass off. Right. And that script that they have in hand t- feels totally inauthentic or whatever, just because they haven't, they're they're scared to write about what they know. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that people can't write about <laughs> what they don't know, but just you know, there's there's a certain level of resonance that comes when of you course. put a lot of passion and in yourself into something. Um, I, I hope that we can start to move past like this understanding of Asian or Asian American as being non unmarketable, and that's um, which is hard. And but, a lie. <laughs> but it's, it's, and I'm not saying all Asian Americans all need to be making movies about Asian America. Yeah, that's not where you're saying, yeah. Like, but don't shy away from but it. But don't that's shy away from that, it. That's what you're, yeah. And in, in this yeah. day and age of like award winning shows being on Hulu or Amazon or Netflix, like the internet is the great equalizer, right? Because it, it, makes, it makes it possible that your art will reach people looking for people who want it yeah right and these days you know people 
because of the, the, the success of streaming programs and the success of shows like Fresh Out the Boat and movies like, you know, Spa Night, hopefully, and you know, Advantageous, things like that. Orange is There new are new. suits. There are people in suits in Sundance looking for the next thing that they can package and sell to these previously considered niche markets right. because it's cost effective. Like, I, we can buy the rights to this for this amount of money. We know That's there's this market. Learning. That's what and... I was learning. It's not, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm an aspiring filmmaker that I'm just like totally green, right? And I'm learning by osmosis just because I'm around people who are creatives. I get to, I, I'm privileged to like, keep hearing about it so i learn but at sundance i feel like it was like hyperspeed 101 you know what i mean like the people i was just chatting with over a cheesecake on a stick like <laughs> i was learning about financing films i don't know about that i'm just like in five like in their elevator pitch and them telling me in a minute what they do my mind was expanded. I was like, oh, damn, I didn't know it worked that way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when it's like you're dealing with the industry, I'm not saying that, again, you have to work within this structure, right? But there is power in knowledge. And to know that there are companies out there who go out scouting for content that is different, that is diverse, and the conversations that had, like all your preconceived notions, they really do fly out the window. Because you're like sitting there thinking, I'm not marketable. And I've heard that. Someone from South by Southwest last year told me Asians are not marketable in music. He, this is a guy from a record label that I like. I raised my hand and asked. He said that to me last year. But like this year, you know, everyone's like, my acting teacher is like, well, shit out of luck if you're a white actor in this town because no one gives a <laughs> shit about you. You know, the conversations are so different wherever you go. My acting teacher is like, you're lucky if you are a woman, if you are LGBTQ, if you are, um, you know, a minority, whatever. Like, that's what's hot now. And so there's no, I feel like the more I'm learning, there's like no prescribed anything. Just do your thing, man, and be good at yep. it. Yeah. Just be really good. Yep. And on that note, uh, we're going to call this podcast. We're <sighs> going we're gonna to bring this podcast to an end. There's uh, more to say. <laughs> and there is there will be more to say the, in the next 52 <laughs> years weeks not years, years weeks <laughs> well um but thank you so much everyone for especially for you who if any of you guys did listen to all 52 episodes please send us an email because we definitely want to know who you are um but yeah it's been a great year of collab casting and we're looking forward to uh i guess season two <laughs> tearing up now no it yeah. really means a lot thank you sean for coming no, of course. yeah thank you sean so bringing much for joining us thanks for having me we gotta bring out one more time for so you can hold the uh the record, the record. yep yeah. and every time jenny or richie is on it i expect to be on the show after that <laughs> <laughs> wait so is your podcast like is it a monthly th- how often are you guys meeting up to do this i was just last minute question that's a very good question okay um, I did not mean to put you on. It's a very good question. <laughs> okay. And with that, you figure that, that out. Good. Yeah. We will be supporting you. <laughs> we'll cheer you on. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next week for season two of the Collabcast. I will see you there, or I will see you on another time. <laughs> Jobin. Bye. Bye. <laughs>